Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Ella Gaville-Dees. When Victorians are in a crisis, first responders are there to help our community. No matter the situation, these people work hard to be prepared for the unknown. It's an unfortunate fact that many first responders also become victims of crime or abuse while they're working to keep us safe. In partnership with the Motorola Solutions Foundation, Crime Stoppers Victoria is proud to present this special four-part series, First Responders Australian Stories. In this series, we'll be speaking to 12 first responders from different organisations about the times they have been hurt while they're trying to help. Today we're focusing on the first responders on the other end of the phone, Esther, more commonly known as Triple Zero, and Crime Stoppers. We sat down with Cindy, an ambulance call taker, and Caitlin, a police call taker, both from Esther Triple Zero, and George, who works the phones at Crime Stoppers. My name is Cindy, and I've worked at Esther Triple Zero for about two years now um, as an ambulance call taker. I I wanted to find a new career that had some purpose, and it's definitely a role that has a lot of purpose to it. So I wanted to be able to help the community and make a positive impact where I could. Like, it, you know, when you get up and you go to work each day, you want to have a reason for why you're going. So I was really looking for that. For Cindy, and many like her, the job is an opportunity to keep the community safe. For Caitlin, who works with the police at Esther Triple Zero, the connection to the job is a little more personal. I always wanted to be a part of the emergency services sector. My mum had an accident when I was 17. Uh, It was a high-speed collision and I didn't know how I would handle a hands-on role. When this opportunity came up, I jumped at the opportunity. that I can make a difference daily. Both Cindy and Caitlin really love the fact that the job involves working with a team of like-minded, caring people. I find the most positive part of my role are the amazing people I work with. Uh, I work with some of the most empathetic and caring people in the world. Everyone looks out for one another and we're all striving for the same common goal, uh, and that's to look after the public. Both find that the work is incredibly rewarding. And for Cindy, not only is it the opportunity to help people in their hour of need, but also the sheer number of people she gets to help every day. The the crews that we work in here at Triple Zero are just amazing. They are like families. Everyone just instantly band together. So you'll look around. If you see another call taken here, that's got a call that's 
quite difficult. Any one of us will just log out straight away and, and go over to that call taker and just assist in any way that we possibly can. Um, obviously, we're very lucky to work alongside paramedics and clinicians here as well. So we all just instantly drop what we're doing where we, where we can, obviously, and just help each other out. Um, it's so important to keep the morale up of our whole crew. So it's just teamwork all the way. There's also the obvious one, getting to deliver babies over the phone. That's obviously really rewarding as well and one of the most positive aspects of our job. One of the other really rewarding sides, and I often think about this when I'm driving home from work actually, and every day without fail, I will pass an ambulance on the road and it makes me think of the scale of how many people we actually help in a day. As a call taker, you're literally jumping from one call to the next and I think sometimes we forget just how many people we've helped. That's definitely where I get the reward from just knowing that I've, I've helped so many people in one day and then I get to come back and do it all over again the next day. It's definitely being that calming voice on the other end of the phone. You can hear the relief in people's voices, just making sure that people that have to call triple zero that they feel heard, that we understand the emergency that they're in. So that, I find that really rewarding. At the same time as being the calming voice, Cindy and Caitlin also have a critical task in getting crucial information from the caller in order to send the right help to the right place. And often that can present some challenges. An instance particularly comes to mind receiving a call from a couple who are out hiking. They're in a really remote bushland area and they, unfortunately, one of them had had a fall and injured the ankle. They're pretty sure it was broken. So they actually couldn't walk out from where they were. They were, they were stuck where they were. So the problem was they called through, but they had absolutely no idea where they were. And that, that again, is quite common. And they weren't particularly good at reading the maps on their phones either. So we were lucky that they had a lot of service, which was great. So I was sort of going through all the usual processes, trying to figure out, you know, were there any emergency markers there that we could use? What, you know, if they could remember what road they came in on, that kind of thing. I asked them, you know, do they have any apps on their phone, like the Emergency Plus app? And as it turned out, it was actually an app that they had downloaded onto their phone a long time ago. I think a family member had actually... I might have been their son or daughter and said, hey, mum and dad, you know, pop this on your phone. Um, and they actually had it. So I was able to help them sort of navigate through and bring it up, helped me find where they were so that I could get that help going directly to them. So sometimes that's all it takes. It's just actually, you know, working with the situation that you have at hand and helping the, the caller at the under, other end of the phone sort of work out just things like that. But getting the important information can often be a point of misunderstanding for a person in an emergency situation. When victims or bystanders are distressed, questions about what situation first responders might be walking into can seem unimportant. And often the answers can get lost in the emotion of the event, as Caitlin explains. Yeah, people get really antsy. They feel like we're delving too much into it and they just want police on the way. So quite often people get really frustrated. But these questions are designed so we can get them the best help. I completely feel for those people in those situations. It's really hard to talk in instances when you've got that external pressure and the external stresses there in front of you. Um, so it's, it is hard, but the more questions you answer, the better response we can get. And Cindy agrees. The most important piece of advice is definitely just following our instructions and answering the questions that we ask as honestly as you possibly can. We always try and you know, encourage our callers to stay really calm. That's really, really important as well because sometimes people are in a really heightened state and staying calm is about the last thing on their mind, but often they can't think clearly. So I think if you just take that moment to just take a deep breath and sort of calm down a little bit, you can think a little bit more clearly and that definitely helps us then help you. The questions we ask are really, really important and it, we don't ask them to delay the ambulance response. 
Uh, most of the time when we actually become first aware of number one, where you are, and number two, the general idea of what's happening, the ambulance response is already organised. So it's not delaying anything, but the questions we ask you are really important because we want to know exactly what's happening. So if you're in a dangerous situation, we want to understand whether you're in danger at the moment, whether we need to instruct you to get away from the danger. We want to know is there a person there that might be dangerous so that we can make sure that we're sending the right response to you. So it's really important that you not only work with us, I guess, in answering the questions, but just be really honest as well. So we're not we're never there to judge anyone or judge a situation. We just want to get the best help that we can to our callers. It can often be a stressful time where emotions are heightened and callers are caught in crisis. When call takers are asking questions, it's because it's best practice to ensure that help can reach you as soon as possible. And sometimes emotions can boil over, meaning that call takers are often targets for verbal abuse, as Caitlin describes. It can be difficult sometimes because some people have had poor dealings with emergency services in the past or have a certain perception of the people that are going to be attending. Uh, But we always try and reassure them that The people coming out do want to help them. They wouldn't be in the job if they didn't. It's important to remember that first responders are at risk of harm from verbal assault on the job and call takers can be victims of psychological hurt from abuse. Caitlin explains that there are times she receives calls from people in dangerous situations, but because the caller is panicking, they don't disclose their location despite repeated requests and can become abusive. These kind of situations cause workers to stress and they're unable to help given the situation. So we often have calls from people on highways and freeways, especially in regional Victoria, that don't know where they are. I had someone screaming down the phone at me, uh, calling me all kinds of names because he couldn't tell me where he was. And a lot of people think we can track their phones. We can't. He then hung up on me, so this delayed our response. Instead of working with me, he hung up. You can imagine the toll these calls can take on first responders serving our community and it would have to take a mental toll. Caitlin highlights that it's important for first responders to take steps to look after themselves in situations where they realise they aren't okay. It's often quite hard for outsiders to understand what we're dealing with, Um, and a lot of people think because we're behind a screen, there's really no need for us to be so emotionally invested, but when you're on the other end of a phone to someone screaming who really does need help or you've got members out on the road that need help urgently it's it can get quite distressing for you and you just need to know when you're not okay and get that help for cindy the key to getting through moments of frustration is to try and empathize with the caller unfortunately in our role as call takers we do get quite a bit of abuse over the phone um it's a daily occurrence it happens multiple times during the day the way that I deal with this is I always try and put myself into the caller's shoes, look at the situation from their perspective and the emotions and feelings that they might be feeling at that time. And I think by doing that, I then don't take it personally. So I always will respond politely and with a caring manner. But, you know, I can also get uh, quite firm as well, but it always comes from a place of caring for our caller at the other end. So as I said, I don't take it personally. I try and understand where they're coming from and and that really helps. But, you know, I guess abuse during phone calls, um, it definitely raises the the feeling of pressure. You know, that can sometimes become too much. But it's not necessarily always about immediate emergencies. Sometimes you've seen something off and you need to trust your gut. 
Crime Stoppers call taker George has also experienced moments of frustration and abuse in his role helping callers to report information, often confidentially, to the Crime Information Hotline. So my name's George. Um, I'm an operative at Crime Stoppers and I've been there for just over three years. Before coming to Crime Stoppers, I worked as a social worker and I really enjoy helping others and working in those types of fields. I had a look at the role, saw that it was about engaging with the community, sort of assisting uh, to reduce crime and, and harm in the community and an opportunity to contribute to making a positive change in Victoria. Making a positive contribution in the community, I think, is a really rewarding aspect of the job. Providing a confidential service as well, so a space where people can feel comfortable you know, calling us or reporting online and essentially being able to get information off their chest. They might not have had too much dealings or interaction with police in the past and sometimes that can make people a little bit nervous. We kind of sit in that space where people can pick up the phone and speak to somebody. They don't have to give anything about themselves and they can just talk to us. It might be something very simple like have somebody in their area who just, you know, doesn't want to obey the road rules and wants to keep speeding. It might be somebody who's witnessed or been a party to something really awful and traumatic and, you know, we're able to take that information from them, put it into a report and send it off to police. And, you know, we often get a really positive response from the community for that. They're often very grateful or thankful that they're able to get that information out there and not have to necessarily follow up. If people want to speak to police in the future, they have the opportunity to do that as well. And we, we hear that from people, you know, they might even tell us, oh, I've been holding on to this for a very long time and I've just got to tell somebody. So, you know, it's, it's, it's in a, a lot of ways, it's a privilege to be able to, to facilitate that. For George, minimising his caller's frustration often means managing expectations of what is and isn't possible when people report crimes that are affecting them. Sometimes the public might have a bit of a misconception about police resourcing. In an ideal world, there would be unlimited resources for police to look into every issue in the community, but the reality is that's not the case. So, you know, if somebody's calling up with a, with a minor traffic issue, they might have the, the view that police will immediately go out to that address, talk to the registered owner of that vehicle, you know, give them a warning or um, write them a ticket. And that's just not possible. So sometimes our role is to also educate the public on how police might allocate their resources or even what might constitute a criminal offence. It doesn't mean we can't take a report about that information, but sometimes, yeah, our job is to also talk to the public and, and give them a realistic picture of what might happen. But despite the explanation, sometimes people take out their frustration on the call taker. It's the type of service where you get people from all walks of life getting in contact and people who have had all different sorts of experiences. And yeah, there are some people who just generally tend to be quite aggressive and they can say some pretty full on stuff to you. Often if we respond in a very sort of calm manner, people often settle down and quite often as well, they'll actually end up apologising. So they'll say to us, I'm sorry that I acted like that. I'm just not happy with what I've, what's been going on or, you know, had some issues that have happened to them that are quite challenging um, and they've taken that sort of energy into the call. It's a tough job and it's often got a lot more to it than people would expect, especially with what first responders manage while on the phone trying to help us. 
It's important to remember that these experiences may make them resilient, but it's not okay and they don't deserve the abuse. What the call takers say they need from callers is understanding that the person on the other end of the phone is just doing all they need to do to get the best result. And our role as call takers, it's so much more than just answering the phone. You know, if it was easy as just answering the phone and just pressing a button and sending an ambulance, you know, we probably wouldn't even need call takers to do it. It'd be some sort of automated service by now. There's so much training that goes into making sure our call takers understand different types of medical conditions and medical emergencies and providing information to our crews. So that's a huge part of our role as a call taker is actually finding out what's happening so that we can pass that information through to our ambulance crews so that when they're turning up to an emergency, they already are prepared for what they're about to face. So it's looking after their welfare as well, making sure that they know what they're walking into. If we ever sort of encounter on the phone, if we start to get an idea that maybe a situation isn't that safe, there might be someone on scene there that might be aggressive or violent or that kind of thing. We're probably going to start asking some more questions about that. And that's purely just to make sure we're keeping our crew safe. Our first responders had different pieces of advice for others working in their field. So my biggest piece of advice for anyone that's dealing with this kind of thing is just put your hand up and, and let those around you know that you're struggling with, with those types of things. You know, whether it's going to your team leader, it's accessing counselling, if it's just talking to the crew member sitting next to you. You know, once you actually share your problem with someone else, the load is a lot lighter. I think one of the the number one things is to not take the abuse personally. That's not always easy. Another piece of advice is to to debrief and to share knowledge with your peers and with the other people in the trenches with you, so to speak. If somebody's had a particularly difficult call, you know, we'll encourage them to to take a break, to talk about what might have happened on a call so that we can sort of give advice and help people sort of process all of that. We obviously deal with things that most people won't ever encounter. So it's great to have a good support system around you. I also have a few friends who do the same role and we try and catch up at least once a month uh, just to hash everything out in a safe space over dinner. But more than anything else, it comes back to the fact that our first responders are here to help. And of course, all three would like to remind everyone that they're there to help when you need it. So let's all make sure to do our part and try to remember that they're only trying to help. No one deserves to be harmed while at work. Encourage others to take a deep breath before picking up the phone. Answer the important questions and remember that someone is on the other side doing their best to help you through your situation. Never be scared to call us. Uh, We would prefer you to call and not need us than to not call and find yourself in a sticky situation. Just remember, we're there to help you. That's all we want to do. And that's the most important thing to remember, that at the end of the day, every single call seeker at Esther just wants to be able to help the other person at the other end of the line. Don't feel nervous about picking up the phone. If you've got a question or there's something that you're aware of that just doesn't sit right with you, just pick up the phone or make a report. If it's something that we can't assist with, we will tell you where to go, who to call. Yeah, we're we're there to be of service. So... Yeah, just pick up the phone and give us a call. First Responders Australian Stories is produced by Crime Stoppers Victoria with the support of the Motorola Solutions Foundation. For further information about Crime Stoppers Victoria, you can visit our website or follow us on Facebook at Crime Stoppers Vic. In the next episode, we'll be speaking to three new first responders from different services that help us stay safe. Please hit the follow button on your podcast platform to keep up to date with all our future podcasts. Stay safe. 
act as allies and report crimes against first responders. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.